Welcome back, Buffalo Bills fans. It's Matt Warren, editor-in-chief of buffalorumlings.com and the host of Buffalo Rumlings Q&A on the Buffalo Rumlings Podcast Network. I wanted to remind you, it makes the show a heck of a lot better when I have a whole boatload of questions, so you can send those in at our voicemail line, 716-508-0405. You can tweet us at rumlingsq&a. That's with the word and spelled out in the middle. You can send us emails, buffalorumblings at sbnation.com. Facebook and Instagram messages to the official Buffalo Rumblings account will eventually make their way to me as well. Please get your off-season questions in. There's so many things to talk about as we kick off the 2022 NFL offseason. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to draw your attention to the two big series we run over at buffalorumblings.com during this kind of deep part of the offseason before training camp starts in July. Um, we've got our 90 Players in 90 Days series run by Sean Murphy, where he writes scouting reports for all 90 players, and it usually ends up being like 95 players, 99 players, as they add players over the course of the next uh, couple months. But that's kicked off in the last week or so. Uh, so we've got 90 players in 90 days as the scouting reports. And then our plays that defined the 2021 Buffalo Bills season is up and running. We go through all 17 regular season games plus the playoff games. And then we have the bracket style tournament to determine the play that defined the 2021 season. So make sure you go and vote on those um, week by week breakdowns. We usually have two or three every single week uh, during the next uh, couple months uh, to kind of reminisce a little bit about the 2021 season while we're also prepping for the 2022 season with those 90 players in 90 days. So go check out those series over at buffalorumblings.com. Last week on our show, I released my first 53-man roster projection for the Buffalo Bills. And uh, the, the questions that I've been getting in have a lot to do with that. So let's dive in. Let's start on the offensive line where the snowman in the comment section of my 53-man roster projection asks... Why draft Tenuta only to see him go down the same path as Jack Anderson? I think we should get on the phone and try to move Doyle in a trade. If you look on the inside of the line, there could be a great opportunity to move Cody Ford as well. Sure, he could be due for a resurgence in a make-or-break year, but why deal with that what-ifs in a critical season? Well, those are both great questions, Snowman, and I think the reason you don't trade Cody Ford is I don't know if he's going to be um, worth it, really anything because of the what-ifs that you talked about. He hasn't really shown anything on tape that would make other NFL teams really want to trade for him. Um, and so if you're looking at a trade of Cody Ford, it's probably one of those disappointing player for disappointing player trades. If you go back and look at, say, um, the Jerry Hughes for, uh, oh, man, what was his name now? I can't remember. Kelvin Shepard. Um, the Kelvin Shepard for Jerry Hughes trade. You're looking at those kind of trades. Ryan Bates for who is it? Eli Arnold or whatever. You know those kinds of disappointing player for disappointing player trades. And that's only if they have, you know, a good 
show from the offensive lineman. I think it's much more likely that Luke Tenuta ends up on the practice squad, even though it, you know, you're talking about the the Jack Anderson thing last year where they cut him, put him on the practice squad, and then he was signed off of Buffalo's practice squad. These offensive linemen that are coming into the NFL now, especially the late round picks, need more seasoning. It's why Eric Wood, a guy who would know something about offensive lines, is really excited about these developmental leagues, the USFL and the XFL, because they're coming from these spread offenses in college where the ball gets out so quickly in a lot of cases that the offensive linemen don't have that experience, or whether it's the run blocking experience or the pass pro for three seconds or four seconds experience. And so putting a guy like that on the practice squad, I don't think is a bad thing. Um, even if another team ends up signing him. So I don't think that they're going to um, be able to trade Cody Ford. Uh, I don't think they're going to be able to trade Tommy Doyle. So I, I just think that the most likely scenario is that Luke Tenuta ends up on the practice squad. Thanks for that question. Over at buffalorunlinks.com in the comments section. EJ Town in the comments section. Uh, I agree with all of your roster moves except for Saran Neal. This is the year the Bills finally moved Saran Neal to safety, which was his original draft position. His best attributes are his tackling and run support, but he gets tore up for slot receivers and those with speed. Do you believe that he can move to safety? I mean, I believe he probably could, but I just don't see A, where the Bills would play him at safety, it's not like he's going to be a third safety and play deep. Um, you know, he's not going to play over Jordan Poirier or Micah Hyde. So where is he going to actually play? Um, I think it's much more likely that the Bills just re-signed him because they really like his special teams ability and that he can play cornerback in a pinch. I don't think they signed him for his defensive prowess. In fact, um, I'm pretty certain that they didn't. Even though at the time they said he was going to get more of a role on defense. I just don't see who it's going to come at the expense of, especially now that they drafted another coverage linebacker in the third round. So I, I just don't see where Saran Neal fits into the defensive game plan at this point in time. Um, and by the way, Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier are two of the best defensive backs coaches in the NFL right now, and both of them over the last several years have had Saran Neal at cornerback, so I'm going to lean to the fact that they're not going to move him to safety because two really smart defensive backs coaches have had him at cornerback for the last several years. So, thanks for your question over at buffalorumblings.com. Canadian Bills fan, am I the only one who thinks that we could use to add more, one more piece at wide receiver? Or even thinking that we've already found that piece in Sanders, he just wants to take the summer off to recoup before he returns. Well, I was certainly one of the folks that wanted the Bills to add another high-quality wide receiver uh, this offseason at the outside. I, they'd had to replace Cole Beasley once they cut him, and I think they did that with Jamison Crowder and eventually Khalil uh, Shakir. But they still haven't addressed that outside wide receiver spot, and they've had so many outside wide receivers take snaps over the last few years. And if you look even over the last two years, Gabe Davis is the number three receiver, got a ton of snaps in place of John Brown and Emmanuel Sanders, who are aging vets who got nicked up and dinged up. And so maybe they think that Gabe Davis, because he's young, is going to stay healthy. But they've had incredible success keeping Stefan Diggs healthy as well. 
And so if either of those guys go down, I don't know who you're going to slot in on the outside. Now, general manager Brandon Bean has said he thinks Khalil Shakir can play a little bit outside. Jameson Crowder has played outside in his career, so maybe they move one of those guys outside and have the other one take over the slot. The other possibility is that they could be moving more towards two tight end sets or using James Cook in that wide receiver role um, and just going with you know fewer wide receiver, pure wide receiver snaps, I guess is the right way to say it. That's been the rumor all offseason. That's what I did on my 53-man roster projection was added an extra tight end to the mix instead of that you know, additional outside wide receiver. It still could be in play. Um, I'm certainly not ruling it out, but that's the direction I went, at least in this way too early 53-man roster projection. Thanks for your question over at buffalorumblings.com in the comments section. Uh, Howard Sprague says... At defensive tackle, your last sentence says Justin Zimmer won't be healthy for a bit and can be added later if they want him. Huh? Well, uh, Justin Zimmer had uh, ACL surgery in the middle of the season. Um, I think it was late October or early November. So he isn't fully medically cleared. That's why he hasn't been re-signed by the Bills or signed by anybody else right now. He's a guy that they could still add at a later date to bring in when he's fully healthy. But I don't see a need to bring him back before he can pass the physical or before his knee is fully healthy. The Bills don't need to use a roster spot on him right now. Um, you know, I don't think he's a guy that's important enough to their you know, grand scheme of things to bring back while he's still injured. So he's certainly a guy that they could look at uh, down, the li- down the line here um, as we get closer to the season, uh, end of training camp, even into the season. So thanks for your question, Howard in our comment section over at buffalorumblings.com. Griff, one of our NFL draft writers over at a Buffalo Rumbling, says, as decent as our special teams were last year, I'm getting tired of carrying special teams guys we actually pay, like Andre Smith, Taiwan Jones, and Tyler Medikevich. It only costs more, and it forces the team to cut young de- developmental players like Balen Spector, Luke Tenuta, and Marquez Stevenson. So Griff labeled some of the uh, NFL draft picks that he studied over the last two seasons. And yeah, Andre Smith doesn't cost really any money. He signed for just above the league minimum for the next two seasons. Same with Taiwan Jones. Um, so Tyler Matikiewicz is the only financially questionable one we can talk about on the list if you really want to. I personally think it's important with how many snaps some of these players play to get... Um, Special teams only people on there, that's fine. Like, Stevenson played six offensive snaps in 2021. Now, we don't know what he did in practice or anything like that, but I'll take, you know, Tyler Matikiewicz's, you know, hundreds of snaps on special teams versus Marquez Stevenson getting in for six snaps on offense. So it's just kind of like, you know, looking at, you know, the developmental prospects and what actual chance they have of getting on the field as opposed to being on the practice squad. So thanks for that feedback, Griff. B, the prof, takes us to the running back position. Um, The cuts that stand out to me are Duke Johnson and Luke Tenuta. We already referenced Tenuta, so we'll just focus on uh, Johnson here. Uh, If Duke gets cut, then they are going to use Cook quite a bit. Is Cook really that much better of a route runner than Duke? I mean, I'm certainly not an expert on Duke Johnson's route running ability, But I'll tell you this about him. He was released by the Texans on February 26th last year. Didn't sign with the team at all during the offseason, during training camp. 
and didn't sign to a team's active roster until December 20th. So he went from the end of February till the end of December being available to sign with any team in the NFL and no team wanted him. So guys like that are available in the middle of the season every single year. James Cook is a guy that was drafted in the second round to be a game-breaking player. So is James Cook better than Duke Johnson? I can't answer that definitively, but the Bills and 32 other NFL teams, or 31 other NFL teams, would probably tell you, yeah, at least right now, he has the potential to be way better than Duke Johnson. So that's why he was a second-round pick instead of sitting around off of an NFL roster completely for 10 months. So I think that's kind of where I'm coming from with the Duke Johnson is going to get cut thing. They're going to find a place for James Cook. I think it's too early to give up on Zach Moss and uh, Devin Singletary is probably your first running back. Taiwan Jones plays such an integral role to their special teams. I just don't see a place where Duke Johnson is going to get traded or where Duke Johnson is going to make this roster ahead of any of the players we've already talked about unless there's an injury. Thanks for your question in our comment section. Be the prof. Now that we've tackled all of those roster projection questions, we're going to take a quick break. And on the flip side, we've got some more stuff to talk about. Don't go anywhere. All right. Welcome back over to our text line at 716-508-0405. Joe from Queens says, before the schedule was released, I was hoping that we could get some worse passing teams or weaker competition for the first month of the season when Trey is gone or working back into shape. From looking at the schedule, the first six games might be the toughest stretch. While I think our roster can compete with anyone, should we be concerned about that specifically in reference to our cornerbacks? I fully think we can go 6-2 and two or even 7-1 and one from weeks 8 to 15, but I worry about starting in a hole. Yeah, I understand that building a lead and then keeping that lead helps to maintain confidence. But again, last year, the Bills were behind the Patriots for you know, a good chunk in that middle of the season and made a run at the end of the year to enter into the playoffs on a hot streak. And the Bills can certainly do that exact same thing this year with games against you know the Bears, the Jets, um, the Lions over the last, what, five or six weeks of the season. Um, they can really get a nice head of steam going. They'll have games against the Patriots, Dolphins, and Bengals to you know, put their stamp on the AFC playoff race and the AFC East race in, in particular. So I like having you know a, a runway to the playoffs more than I like having you know the start of the season. And Sean McDermott probably wouldn't say anything like that. Just play the games on your schedule, all that stuff. But you know, if, if the Bills do stumble out of the blocks, it'll at least give him bulletin board material. He'll be like, you know, you guys all offseason were reading the headlines, uh, you know, the, the, the Super Bowl favorites, the top team in the NFL, all this coverage all offseason about how you were the betting favorites. And now you came out and fell flat on your face. You have to prove it to everybody over the course of the rest of the season. So Sean McDermott won't say that. But if the Bills do stumble out of the gate, they're able to do that. Now, the Titans passing game, I'm not really worried about right now. Um, you know, the, the Dolphins passing game, I'm, I'm not too terribly worried about right now either. Uh, they're still going to be learning um, in September. Uh, so, you know, the Ravens have never had, really had a great passing game. 
the Steelers, who knows what their passing game is going to look like. So I, I'm actually not super worried about the first month or month, you know, the first five games of the season. And then we get the um, the Chiefs and the Packers back to back, but the Packers are after the bye. And I would think that Tredavious White's going to be, I don't know, pretty healthy by that Packers game. So even if they keep him out for those first six weeks, um, I just, you know, he'll be fine, ready to go for uh, for Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Before that really, like, soft part of their schedule, the Jets, Vikings, Browns, Lions, Jets again in, early, in middle December. So I, I'm not as worried about it as I think you are based on what you said. Um, I just, you know, I, they drafted Kair Elam specifically, I think, because... They wanted to get more athletic at cornerback. Dean Jackson did a nice job last year. So if you know Jackson can play like he did last year and Elam can make that transition from the SEC, where he saw a lot of those great young, talented receivers, to the NFL, I just don't think it's going to be so steep of a problem at the very beginning of the season. And they still have Jordan Poirier, and they still have Micah Hyde as the backstops. Um, they've got a good pass rush, I hope, an improved pass rush at least. So I just, I'm not too worried about it right now. Um, if they lose, they lose. But I don't know if they're necessarily going to get torched by any of these passing offenses early on. So thanks for your question over our, our voicemail and text line at 716-508-0405. That's going to do it for this week's episode of Buffalo Rumblings Q&A. Send in your questions for next week's episode at 716 716- Five zero eight zero four zero five. You can tweet us at Rumlings Q and A. That's with the word and spelled out in the middle. Email address is Buffalo Rumlings at sbnation.com. You can send us Facebook and Instagram messages to our official accounts as well. Send in those questions makes the show so much better. Uh, rate and review the show over on your favorite podcast app. And if you're feeling so inclined, let a friend know those personal recommendations are worth their weight in gold. Thanks as always, and go Bills.